Do you know, John, he hasn't listened to a single one of these. Well, we're going to have to let you go, Andy. Thanks for coming in today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week, we have a special guest, our first special guest. Andy Hayes is, was, and will continue to be the founding father of Old Boys down in Indiana. Unfortunately, they went by the by side a couple of years ago, but I wanted myself, John, and Andy to get together so that we have a different voice, for one, and to see you know what the road to market could have been. Andy, thanks for joining us. I guess the first question I have is, how did you get started? <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on to talk. And so, how did how did it get started back in the the good days when uh, I thought lower tier soccer was going to be nothing but a I'll say a cakewalk, but it would be easier to build than what it ended up being. Um, so the vision, I guess, the vision for the club initially started back in 2014 or 2015, and a lot of it came down to trying to find a place for my I coached at, at a youth club at the time. And figuring out if there's either participating with some collegiate athletes in, a, in an amateur circuit, um, NPSL, UPSL, or, or other other types of leagues, uh, such as uh, MWPL, Midwest Premier League, or you know something that may be the equivalent, um, to grab the players who capped out of the youth market or those playing co- uh, collegiately in the local area, and and compete. And I was kind of trying to figure that out and, and stumbled across um, kind of Stockton uh, FC's stuff up in New York, how to basically build a, a soccer club from scratch. And then um, also from Dan Hedeman uh, of Minneapolis city kind of put a, a I'll call it a manifesto, but it was, it was more of a, uh, if I can do it, here's how I think you can do it too. Um, now, Giving those guys a heck of a lot of credit for like actually providing the um, initial nice momentum to actually build and start a club in in Indy. Um, they're also way hipper, cooler, and better connected. It appears than I. Um, so that worked out in their favor for a lot of things, and they did a lot of things really, really well that we couldn't couldn't quite duplicate. Um, whether it be uh, sponsorship, engagement, what have you, but um, that that kind of set the groundwork, and I took it on as a as a passion project and officially joined a, uh, an amateur league in 2017 uh, that competed in the uh, national um, arena. Tried that. It we went fairly well in 2018 off. No, let me rephrase that. The only reason we went well, I went well in 2018 is because we came back for 2019 on the pitch. We were a bit of a disaster um, off the pitch uh, in terms of the, the dollars and cents. It was even worse, but I, I convinced myself to keep going and figure out how to be better, smarter, leaner faster for year two um, we also rebranded in between year one and two we were affiliated completely with the youth club year one that turned out to be uh, terrible quite honestly uh, d- d- disappointing it didn't we didn't quite mesh visions as I'd hoped and take advantage of the resources that we both could bring to the table um, so we rebranded as as officially as old boy soccer club um, in August of um, 18 right after the uh, our amateur season ended and gave it a go for year two um knowing it was completely on on me to to kind of drive so um was 
was a good experience in terms of figuring out how to be better. And I think if I started again uh, in five years, it would be a hell of a lot easier um, <laughs> learning what I've learned. But uh, I think it was a, a, and we'll get into a lot of the, the mistakes I made, but um, the big, ta- the big takeaway was I'm glad I have done it. Even if it doesn't exist today, it, it uh, provided an opportunity for me to um, kind of watch the, the amateur soccer landscape much closer, build some friendships out of it um, and follow it and actually give much more of a crap about it than anything above, you know, the, when we, whatever tier we want to call, you know, us doesn't do that. Right. So whatever, um, <laughs> whatever tier USL league two and above are, uh, I, I feel that the, the grassroots or the amateur clubs offer way more, way more for a supporter, uh, than those clubs ever, teams or franchises, whatever the hell we want to call them, ever could. For sure. I think we, are, I think we can all agree on that. Was it just you or did you have drinking buddies or whatever, like along with you, along for the ride? Um, it was me. I had, I had sounding boards along the way uh, at, at different points in time. Um, but it was, it was me. It was, my, it was my vision and trying to get, uh, again, some of the folks from the youth club I was affiliated with on board. Um, took, some, took some time to do reluctantly they joined uh, or, or maybe gave me the, the rope to hang myself with, so to speak. Um, but really it came down to, in terms of financially putting anything into it, meeting with sponsors, meeting with kit suppliers, negotiating kit prices, all those things. It was all me. Mm-hmm. And brought a coach on. Um, and he did a lot of, he, he helped uh, Steve Bushry, the head coach. Uh, and to this day, the only head coach in old boys history. Um, he did some great things for us specifically helping focus on the pitch. I was an assistant coach year one, not something I, I recommend anybody doing, trying to run it, um, sell it, broadcast it, and then also coach. <laughs> uh, so I, but I've also, I've never backed away from doing, doing more myself. Um, but I learned that building a team, uh, which I think DeKalb County's approach has been getting like-minded folks together and not trying to take it all on yourself, um, trying to build it through community, through team, through, a true partnership um, far far outweighs the, the solo effort. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we've alluded to it, and I know John and I have intentions to speak about it in a future episode, but John, I think you'd agree that it, it takes a village, right? Uh, yeah, and, and I think uh, it's fun, as many times as Andy and I have talked, it's fun to hear him say it and tell the story again, because even though maybe things worked out differently for the two clubs, I think he and I experienced similar, similar challenges and yet at the same time, it's almost like we luck into certain things that for whatever reason, I I don't think Andy sort of lucked into because I don't think what we've done is necessarily, it's very special, but it's not, again, there's nothing magic that we did. It just kind of worked out and, I think Andy did a lot of the same things that I tried to do mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. And I think that's, I think it's just interesting. Now I had a question cause I like to work. I, I, I the, the sad part of the story is that old boys is not a current active club. And I'm curious, Andy working from the end backwards or forwards, mm-hmm. what was the, what was kind of the nail in the coffin to, to finally, pull the pin i think it, it was a tough decision but i had as i was looking ahead i mean i guess maybe it's somewhat serendipitous with with the the pandemic that struck and everything else 
um, to maybe take some time off and, and revamp for an old boys 3.0, wherever, again, wherever that may be, right? But I think with the nail in the coffin, we, we had some late buzz and some really good, I mean, from an from a on-pitch perspective, we, we did fairly well last year. We middle of our table, our, our, you know, amateur league, we didn't do as well in some of the cup competitions we entered. Um, a decent semifinal run to the regional amateur cup, which is kind of cool. Um, it came down to, we did this piece with uh, the soccer tavern and they were, they were gracious enough to, to rep our scarf on a, on a YouTube show. Um, and they did a, a little piece on the club, a history of it and what have you. Um, and after that aired, it was about three weeks later, I, I think I looked around and, and realized that, um, you know, I, I missed, I missed a lot of my uh, kids games doing stuff for the old boy stuff hadn't been as involved in their soccer pursuits, uh, which are I mean, really more, more important than mine at this point. They still have, um, they're young. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> realizing that I, I really had one more year left with uh, my oldest kid. Uh, my younger son was going to be, you know, they, they were junior freshman at the time and realizing that uh, I'm not independently wealthy and, and financially set. Um, and re- when you compare that with uh, college costs and, or, or what could be college costs and um, running a club, uh, push came to shove and I decided to, to shut it down. And, and, you know, again, looking at the appetite for sponsors, uh, it seemed to dwindle a little bit. Um, the engagement wasn't as high as I had hoped with, with certain sponsors still had a great, um, rapport, built a really good relationship with, you know, the local soccer scene in Indy. Um, Greg Rakestraw, for example, uh, who runs a, you know, radio show soccer Saturday on, in, in Indy and broadcast some of the, uh, USL games. He, he was a great resource, but uh, again, push game to show looking at the, the red versus being in the black two years in a row, um, realizing the effort putting into it, uh, things on my professional, you know, my, my actual job, um, <laughs> we're getting a little, a little more stressful, a little more intense and, uh, but in a good way. Um, I, I just didn't feel like I could give it the same level of effort that it needed and definitely not the same care uh, and feeding, uh, from a financial perspective year over year. Over year. Uh, I think we can all relate to the, to the amount of time and effort that goes into it and the balances you have to find somewhere. What's the catchment area were you playing with? And John, I get you, you can answer that as well in terms of DeKalb County, but what's the, you know, the guesstimate of how many people you could get through the gate? Well, we could get, what well, we could, the, the, where we hosted our home matches, we could probably host upwards of three, 400 people possibly. I may be overestimating it, but, but about that number. What we saw typically was in the 75 to 100 range. Uh, oh, sorry, let me rephrase that, 60 to, 60 to 100 we, I think our, our peak was about 140, 125, which, again, I, I, I was very pleased with. And it's one of those things where it's like anything else. You can't really compare yourself. As I guess like running. You can't compare yourself to those around you. you just, you're, beat, you're, you're working against yourself. You're, you're beating and trying to improve upon yourself. Because um, it could be, you know, you, there are other clubs who, uh, you guys know, can pull some pretty good numbers and have a great atmosphere, great environment. And um, we saw that firsthand, actually our first, our first real, real legitimate match, in my opinion, and, and it was also DeKalb County's first, you know, friendly match, uh, up, up in DeKalb. And it was, it was a fantastic, great environment, great, you know, 
pretty pretty intense and it was fun to see what what could it what it could be and we had a couple of good experiences on the road with some some really good uh supporters but uh we did fairly well and the the, the folks who came to our matches were loud we, we played a small high school stadium uh in, in you know middle of the west side in indianapolis and it was it was a perfect stadium for our our, our club i mean it, it fit the it fit the vibe very well john what's the potential catchment area for the cow um well, we've, I mean, historically, we've run two to 500, really. Um, but, you know, there's a, Indianapolis is huge. And, I mean, I, I think maybe it's almost too big, Andy, where you were at. You were kind of in one corner of the city. And you got Indy 11, you got some different things. But we got 100, we got 70,000 people essentially within 20 minutes of us. And, you know, it doesn't take a big percentage to get to, 700 800 a thousand people coming to games right but that's that's what we're trying to figure out right how do we how do we make everybody else as excited about it as we are uh, yeah, that's a great point john because yeah in, in indy we're competing with a ton of different events and, and things but in terms of population you think the math would be even easier works in our favor more if you're dealing with you know definitely north of a million people in the metro area 30 minutes 40 minutes you know whatever um but beginning to translate the people coming in you know, we we definitely didn't market uh, effectively, uh, which is which again we we learned from and and how do we how do we truly connect with the local community? Are we in the right community to begin with? And I I joked I it would have been, I think I could have done better in a smaller town, um, and I don't know that for sure. That's that's obviously speculation or or whatever. But one of those things where I think there is so much going on, there's so much confusion. Indy Eleven has done a phenomenal job marketing itself as indies team and it has a grassroots feel because it is not mls and it started at mike carroll stadium where iupy plays it's it's a great it's a great feel it's it's a you know i was a season ticket holder um before i started this and still a supporter of that, of that club it's it's fun to to be uh you know in those in those games or be at those games but uh, between that uh, there are a couple other clubs who are trying to pop up or, and exist in the area um and, and trying to combine forces, uh, they didn't work. Or trying to, to help each other out and did not work very well. Um, and then also, you know, you're competing with just any any other events or sports. You know, Indianapolis Indians games, which again, you know, that, that's a that's another event, right? Uh, we we hosted a game our first year uh, Memorial Day weekend. Bad idea because there's a big race that goes on in Indy. Usually, <laughs> um, it's happening this weekend as we're as we're, as we're talking as we're recording this uh, coming Sunday, <laughs> but. Um, that, you know, again, lesson learned, we were, we were the earshot of the track. So it, it kind of made a, a very interesting environment there, but, um, but again, uh, lessons learned. we just, it was trying to try to figure out how to better connect with people. It, does it make sense to partner with youth clubs? Yes or no. How do you do that without alienating other clubs? So that was our first, that was our problem year one. Um, and then year two, we got a little bit better at it, but it was still, you know, we, we were a little more successful. Um, in terms of like social media marketing and, and the branding and some of our, you know, getting some kit runs and, and planning for like replica kits or, or getting people some, you know, pre-ordered jerseys. But again, it was still one, pretty much a one-person operation. I don't envy you at all. I'm sure John doesn't. In retrospect and looking forward, do you think you got the branding wrong? Old boys aren't obviously Indianapolis's team. So would you go with it again or would you try and be more localized and be a part of the community? That's a really 
great analytical questions, stuff I've thought about a lot. Um, I still think about, uh, I, I still think something like, like old boys, whatever we call it, should. Was it a Celtic thing? Uh, a little play on that, yeah. And, you know, obviously the colors are more like the Indianapolis colors, red, blue, and white. And uh, we started with, uh, again, it was started with the affiliation of a, an existing youth club. And the whole old boys concept was to be that seniors men's side group and we would figure out the women's side of it eventually that was a goal uh so again quite ambitious to start with but we would have figured out the men's and women's side separately as we progressed i'm, I'm much more versed and exposed and experienced in uh the men's side of soccer but i also wanted to i didn't want it to be one or the other i thought we could eventually do both somehow so under that umbrella of the youth club to me the old boys being the you know the, the play on um the Celtic reference as well as they're no longer youth players. The goal is to pull them up from the youth ranks and almost try to mimic in some bastardized way, the European academies where you, your youth ranks populate your senior team. Um, Mm -hmm. And and maybe, maybe that's a misguided dream and a pipe dream and something that maybe I've, um, I've watched too much, uh, too much European soccer over the past decade plus, but um, (laughs) definitely, definitely something I still th- I still think and dream can happen uh, and that's something mm-hmm. that we we tried maybe we were ahead of our time or maybe we just weren't uh doing it with the right people I don't know I think yeah every, everyone wants that sort of production line almost don't they whether, whether you're Man United or whether you are old boys in the Calibre right? you just you want the local players come good and being starlets of your team and being a folk the focal point it's not always possible but right it's got to be more possible than it is in America right now I think agreed yeah, I, I think that desire to be local, to be to be community based, and to give back. Uh, and again, I mean, that's that was, you know, we we tried to partner with some folks to do to to give back to some of these players to make them accessible. And some of the other teams we, other clubs we played, did a really good job of that. And and some of the some of the players were treated like heroes, which is awesome. Um, and, and I think there's some things that are that are taking shape in the soccer landscape that's going to, that, you know, maybe will happen over the next, you know, five, 10 years that are really going to be like, man, I wish I was doing this again. Uh, I guess to more directly answer your question as far as the locality and, and old boys as a brand, it's the guys we started it under was right. But in terms of the independent club, we would definitely, I would definitely have to pick. And again, I don't, I don't live in Indianapolis proper either. So that's another <laughs> conflict, right? I'm a suburb guy. And so I, making sure you pick a suburb and then you don't alienate other suburbs. How can you, you know, that, that's a, it's a trick group. It's a tricky take for us and a slippery slope. So had to do it again. I think we'd, we'd be a little more hyper focused in, in terms of locality and, and, and region. Uh, mm-hmm. And then maybe, maybe start with this, you know, start super, super small city league approach, get a, get a group of guys together or, or folks and people together who, who believe in, the whole supporter side of it, uh, participating as a team, as a team competing, living the amateur lifestyle, <laughs> the amateur soccer lifestyle, <laughs> you know? So that's, again, pipe dream. I still have it. I still hope it works uh, whether I'm involved or not. I think it can and will in Indy. I got a question, Nick, the, uh, uh, you, you did some, some written pieces for sock takes, I believe. Yeah. Where you did like a, a little, you know, updates, you did periodic updates and you talked about some of the financial challenges. Um, what, if any, what were some 
or one financial thing that you spent money on that looking back, you kind of regret. And if you, a couple, a couple of shows ago, I talked about charter buses our first year mm-hmm. that we didn't do the second year. So what kind of things like that, that you spent money on that looking back, you maybe wouldn't have, or you wouldn't do it the next time. So we, we did some things the first year to second year that, that we improved. And that was a lot of it was on, was on gear and on travel. Eh, travel was about the same both years. Um, I did a little differently in terms of just committing to personalized gear for every player, um, especially the unknown kit supplier. Uh, but year two, we did better. It was more – everyone got training kits or training shirts, and then the kits were provided by uh, Icarus, and they did a phenomenal job. Um, but they also helped out. We, we hooked up with them, and uh, they did really good customized designs, made it the, – the material worked real well. Um, it was durable, all good stuff. It, so it wasn't as big a hit. Um, but st- still spent quite a bit there. Uh, as far as, like, one singular thing – John's tough. It, it's, it seems like death by a thousand cuts. Um, field rental game day that, you know, training and field, you know, match day stuff for the field itself. That was, if, if I knew how to better pick a, either pick a better venue or have more leverage. Um, we didn't play in the venue. I, I had dreamed of playing in uh, the high school. We played in the Cardinal River high school in Indianapolis. They were great, uh, great people. Um, super good to work with. But it's still uh, the se- starting the season as early as I wanted to, and running it as long as we did. Um, it, it costs money to rent rent facilities, and so it, it seems like death by a thousand cuts. We we ended up we did do a charter bus year two for one game uh, to Maritza, and that was because the rental company uh, had twelve passenger vans rented through. Uh, called the day before our match and said, ah, "You don't have this rental," so that sucked. But uh, I had a, had a, a, a charter bus company cut me a great deal um and we were able to use them and it was it was awesome it was a good experience for the players too that was pretty cool for the guys who who, who made the travel at 18 or i guess 15 really but that day but um just again death death by a thousand cuts there uh trying to make sure we got the the right league balls or the or whatever um and we try to do a little some some things differently um uh, in terms of marketing and merchandise but trying to not spend what we didn't have uh, year one. We definitely, definitely went out of our way to, to grow, like to try to do the scarf thing and whatever. And that wasn't, we didn't get a big return on that. What was your initial goal budget? We spoke last week, John and I about, you know, the, the budget isn't actually a real thing in year one because you don't know what, but you're just pulling numbers out there. Did you have an end goal in sight? I, I did. Um, so I, again, I, I took a lot of what Minneapolis city had put, had put out there and that uh, somewhat of an open source model. And same with Stockton. Stockade, right? Stockade, yeah, thank you. Kingston Stockade, there we go. Kingston Stockade FC. Those those guys um, put it, the, the info out there. So I kind of, I, I picked a lot of that information and tried to carry it over and, and look at and update it with some some quotes I got for kits and, and match balls and ballpark figures for coaching gear and all that stuff. Um, so year one, I expected to spend – uh, again, I'm going off memory here for some of the numbers, but like 30 to 35 grand. I was way, way more uh, positive uh, or optimistic about the revenue, about people wanting to be part of this, about it being, you know, u- utilizing the, the nonprofit nature of our youth club as an existing team, running this as a, almost like a business unit within that. 
and getting people on board, all that fun stuff. And I missed the mark terribly. So those were things we, we learned uh, learned from and um, what we lost and what we what we could have done better or differently. It, it was what it was, but you know, that, there was a big, big disparity there. So I think in terms of budget, actually our, our spend was within what I expected. I mean, I think it was just shy of $3,000, $34,000. So again, on the, on the expenses side and the cost side, we did, a, we did a really good job. I did a really good job. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just me. Well done me. But the, the other part of me and the revenue driver failed. <laughs> so you, can, you manage your costs and hit your budget all you want. Um, you know, when you're not offsetting it by revenue and, and the person's pocket is your, your pocket, you're pulling from to pay different. If I, if I went into it wanting to be an owner, knowing it was a total ego grab, uh, it, that wasn't it. I joked many times with my head coach that I would love to get this started, have someone just completely take over and, and finance it, and I'll step out and run a supporter group. That would have been don't have exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, it's it's what we love in its heart when you when you love it so much and you want it to exist, but it hurts so much. All right, let's let's take the mood up. Let's make let's put you in a happy place before we go to a break. Let's do it. What's your what's the happiest memory you've got of the whole thing? Oh man, that's. Well, not one. Give me 63. I don't care. <laughs> so um, a couple, obviously, like day one, like when we were announced um, on, on a, this national amateur platform or whatever, that was exciting and, and fear inducing because it's like, oh, crap, this is real. We got to we got to move. I got to move, whatever. Um, so that was super exciting. I think our last home match, my first our first season, our last home match, we actually I uh, this is something I wouldn't have done again, uh, but I thought, you know what, let's, let's try Let's try something different. Uh, I, I had worked with, uh, with Greg Rakestraw to help broadcast the match. Um, goalkeeping, you know, us goalkeeping legend, John Bush was doing the, the analysis. He was doing the color commentary. So that was amazing. Great experience there and broadcast the game. And we get a draw in, in the you know, third minute of stoppage time off a slipped header from a striker to our defender who, you know, missed the last game, had to come out of the last game a week before due to heat cramps. And we, again, first positive result all season. Uh, <laughs> first non-loss, we got a draw. We get our first point in club history. It was amazing. Uh, super thrilled. Um, we, we finished that season. We went up to Muskegon uh, to play them in our season finale. We took 11 guys. And then we're in our top 11. Admittedly, some, you know, half the roster was uh, who would typically start. The other half, uh, we basically, we, you know, we were very happy we registered them after the last game of the year. <laughs> um, uh, standing on the sideline, coaching the away matches like I did uh, with with Steve, and we 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 ended up getting a zero zero draw. We hit the woodwork twice. Uh, our goalkeeper made an unbelievable save uh, in a one v one situation. It was in the rain. Thunderstorm delayed the match for 30 minutes. Um, the supporter group still for Muskegon did a great job of, of making us feel like uh, enemies. So it was it was great. Everything <laughs> you'd want. And we get a we you know that group of 11 gets us a, a point on a you know a sloppy pitch. Just just a ton of fun. So that's it's good to, good to end the year on a positive note on the pitch there. And then as we fast forward to year two. We opened the season, our, our regular season, with uh, Andrea and just got spanked. So that was not a good memory. But we followed that up. We ended up uh, – we got our first win uh, shortly thereafter 
Um, and we beat a Maritza side that was, that had some U S open cup qualifying. I mean, they had a deep run in qualifying for open cup. Um, and they were heavily favored and we beat the crap out of them for nothing. Uh, non-league America showed up, uh, had us, you know, had interviewed Steve and myself after the game. Um, it's pretty, pretty, uh, you know, for the soccer nerds in this level, pretty surreal moment. That was, that was a ton of fun. Um, and then I think our, our season finale at home year one uh, sticks out because it was, you, you kind of knew this, the group we had, uh, we had a couple carryovers from year one, a couple of the, of the same guys. Um, it was really cool to kind of forge that bond with some of them. Uh, our captain was phenomenal. Uh, the, the power knee was his, was his thing. Uh, he scored a goal against Toledo in the first season uh, with his knee. Uh, definitely make fun of the coach for that. It was fun. So uh, those are those are the, the highs. The fact that my kids got a chance to kind of participate with me in that and be involved, pretty pretty cool. Uh, and then again, um, it, the whole the big takeaway from all the soccer soccer conversations I've had during and since, uh, you know, has been has been a blast. I think now is a good time as any to take a break. So stay on the line. I'm going to do some nifty editing. And okay. we'll be back in about 30 seconds or so, people. Okay, we're back. I hope you enjoyed your adverts. I hope you're going to buy whatever it is we're selling. Andy, <laughs> I yes. think I know the answer to this, or I've got my opinion of your answer to this, but what do you think is the biggest challenge you experienced in the two, two and a bit years or three years? Um... Man, uh, big, biggest challenges really come down to the creating the right mark, creating the right marketing, um, and and making sure we hit the right, engaged with the right community. Um, we the identity, the club identity was was a bit of miss, and I think with with that, it, it kind of a lot of things kind of spiraled out of out of either out of control or just kind of fell by the wayside, or we weren't able to to <clears throat> successfully grab and and run with them. Um, you know, from a, from a, you know, slick look and design and logo and a lot of stuff. I think we did a pretty good job with, with some of that. I had some really good help with that, some folks. Um, but it, but again, it, the, the identity wasn't quite there, uh, to help kind of connect to a, a, a component of Indianapolis. It was more of a fun name, um, but it didn't really hit the heart of, of who we were or what we were from the city. We, we definitely mm-hmm. tried to be local representation of the, of the town. And again, most of the players we had at, at some form or another either worked, lived, played collegiately or a uh, club in the city. Uh, most of them did. But, uh, you know, we, we still, again, I, I look at what uh, obviously DeKalb County's done uh, in terms of the, the logo, the, the, the branding, the, the rivalry you guys have created with, uh, you know, there's that one club out there in Iowa. Um, am I allowed to name them on this podcast? I don't think so. No, we've got an explicit filter on, so we're not, we can't do <laughs> Fair enough. But, but uh, again, that, that, that good-natured rivalry um, in the, in the quote-unquote corn belt is, is fun. And you guys fully embrace and know your market, know your people, know your supporters. And it's clear who you are. You also, again, green and yellow, not, not the most popular – soccer club colors uh, or I should say popular the most used and there it works uh, so it's again really awesome to kind of juxtapose some misses uh, that again 
John, John said earlier, we, they, you guys may have locked, locked into it, John, but I think at the same time, it started with a great baseline um, and, it, and it helped people resonate. It resonated with people more than maybe what, what we did. I think you're right, but it's also, as, as Nick and I deal with, there's, there's still a heck of a lot of people in our own community after three years that have never heard of us. Right. And even if they've heard of us, they have no idea who we are, what we're about, when we play, where we play. That challenge exists. And as, as happy as I am with where we are, I just don't feel nearly satisfied that we've connected like even it might seem on the outside. I think there's, uh, what's it called, Nick? Exponential potential. That's the fellow. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of room there's a lot of room to improve and and i think one of the things you took my question nick because that was my next question for andy but uh one one thing that, that we've had that advantage is having more of a staff than andy and he keeps you can tell this is why i like andy he keeps saying we 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 because <laughs> it was never about andy even though every specific thing was andy <laughs> but it was never about andy and i think that having a volunteer group outside of your household would have been game changing to allow you. I mean, what Steve did as the coach, I mean, that took tons of, you know, effort and just thought process away from you, but that was one person handling that role. And I think you could have handled if it was, if it was funding, you could have handled, you could have focused on fundraising if somebody else could handle coordinating the buses and coordinating the fields and coordinating athletic trainers and yes. uh, without getting into personal relationships, what challenges did you see there in trying to bring people into your vision? That, that one may be the most either self-induced or just um, not knowing how to ask the, the right people to get involved. I, I you know, game day, uh, we had some, some, you know, volunteers step up and help out and that was great. Um, but as far as getting to, um, a point where I'm, I'm going to run with this, this specific task, I need your help with this. I mean, it, it took me, again, I tried, you know, Steve and I tried to work with as much and again, his focus had to be, and rightfully so on the pitch and, and training and prep bringing, uh, we're able to bring an assistant coach in, uh, year two and it, it tremendously helped the on, on the pitch product. And you can see the debates going on in the locker rooms and, um, so I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it was really fun to see that, that piece happen. Now, the rest of it, as far as back office stuff, that's just, I think that's just me being more deliberate and asking for help. And that's, that's the struggle piece. I think I had initially, uh, was, was asking, asking for help on, um, key items to get things up and running. So one thing, Andy, that, I don't know if you and I've talked about this and I don't know if I learned this or if somebody told me this, but uh, one piece of advice as people are listening that have clubs or want to have clubs or used to have clubs is when somebody casually goes, Hey, how's the soccer thing? And you tell them and you do your spiel and you're all excited and they go, well, cool. If you ever need anything, let me know. At that moment, we have to try to hook them and say, well, have you, what do you do? marketing mm -hmm. i could use specific help why don't you and i get together next week about you helping me with my marketing stuff or it, it, game day is easy right i need somebody on tickets i need somebody on this i need somebody to get the water i need so, that's easy stuff because 
um, those, those roles exist and it's finite, right? I need you for two hours on Saturday. Yeah. When you want somebody at the boardroom with you and in the emails and in the group chats and it, as you know, unless I don't know how much you talk to yourself, but with our group chats, <laughs> every day, <we're, laughs> our group chats are relentless year round. It doesn't matter if we're playing a game, not playing a game. The ideas are kind of flowing. Um, so I think that's that's one one thing I would advise people is as soon as somebody mentions, give me, hey, if you ever need any help, and you got to you got to find something right then and there to either set up another call with them, set up another meeting with them or pick their brain. Like, well, what would you be interested in helping with? Totally. Back to what Andy said as well. Like he was afraid to ask or proud to ask or whatever. Ask, absolutely ask. Um, You'd be surprised how many people are prepared to put their hand up and say, yeah, I'll do. If you say, I need some help. Very few people say, okay, I'll help because there's no specification there. But as soon as you say, I need help building this wall or painting this wall or, you know, building this website, whatever it is, you will find someone that puts their hand off because there is a specific job or they will know someone that knows someone. But you have to ask first. You can't just expect it to fall from the sky, as my boss would say. Yeah, no, that, that's, and that's absolutely, you guys are both hitting the spot on. The the piece there, once they show the interest or or they are, they are to, to borrow a, an expression I'm too old to use, they're vibing with you on what you're selling, what you're talking about. Getting getting that hook in and saying, okay, great. Uh, the whole what do you do piece. I think in year one, I had no clue what we were doing. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was the you know everything was new. Everything was a was a new opportunity. Year two, I think we fine tuned some things and really narrowed our focus. But that said, again, driving driving the requests and saying, okay, I know I'm going to need help with marketing. We did bring an intern on, uh, which was really cool. Um, and have an intern help out in game day stuff. And then I tried to get that to grow a little more than, than it was ready to. I think again, as if we are around a little longer um, and if we had a little more time, time to kind of build up to where we were, uh, I think, I think then we would just be um, able to kind of grow that, that program, if you will. But uh, we try to be a little, I wanted to be a little too big, too fast. Also, uh, big, big visions. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> as long as they come off, right? Um, <laughs> if you had your time again with an unlimited budget, and you can't just say pay someone to do it, what would you? Because you, as you, someone who funded it themselves, pretty much, as I understand it, you know, sponsors here and there. What would you throw money at first? Um, that's a good question that's an awesome question I I would want to definitely (laughs) I definitely want to make sure that the um, the training location match match, like location set up having an identifiable location a home base is absolutely key right? right circumstances dictate that so many clubs at this level can't do that um, you know, and we all know the story of Detroit and what's come from that. But nine out of ten of us, we have to play in a high school stadium. We have to play in a collegiate stadium because that's what's there. Right. But John and I know from um, our league experiences that the powerhouse in our area, they have the whole communal setup. They have the youth team. They have the seniors. They have the first team. They have a clubhouse. They have just you know everything going on. And 
as soon as you can do that and bring money. If you've got a place that throws money in 24-7 because you've got turf pitches that kids can use and you've got a clubhouse that can hold events, it's a different ballgame altogether. And, and what's, what's crazy is, again, it's a whole big ambition, big vision picture. That's what I started with. Um, there, there's, a be- there's a really cool old-school soccer-specific stadium in Indianapolis on 16th Street, uh, Kuntz Stadium, that is awesome. And it's not, it's not been kept up. It's not, it's not as dilapidated as what the, you know, it was a Keyworth Stadium, I think, was in Detroit uh, at one time. Um, but it has that vibe to it. And mm. that, was the, that, that was the goal. There's a training pitch and a match day pitch. And, you know, clubhouse, locker room, whole nine. And it was, you start dreaming, like, man, we can make this our place. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not the most well-connected financially or, or independently wealthy, but you start thinking through that and like, ah, oh, how do we make this happen? And then by default, we had to, realizing what the cost was in the city, was not willing to budge on anything. And it would have been extremely cost prohibitive to do that. Uh, we backed up to a, you know, private high school and it worked out well and it fit our club profile, I think, quite well. Um, but having that, that facility or that identity of this is the club, this is the city they represent, our community they represent, and here's where they play, and it all ties together nicely. That's that's where I would focus the the money piece or the mm-hmm. the effort. Kits are going to be kits. We're going to be kits. I mean, you have a, you can have a slick design all you want. Um, that's secondary, and I think I got too excited about that too at the beginning. Year two, we were better about it, and also I think doing it again, relaunching again, I'd give myself three years to be ready to launch, as opposed to uh, four months when I really got everything rolling and it was, holy crap, this is real. Um, I had played that vision out in my head for years, but then finally once when, you know, rubber met the road, it was, it was three or four months of prep and all of a sudden, boom, here you go. That's, that's incredible because we were talking in one of the earlier episodes about how long DeKalb came to come to fruition and it was about 16 months or so, wasn't it, John? And that was with, you know, four or five people uh, running it. Uh, yeah, we, we, we were in total from initial conversation to our first tryout was like 12 months. And of course I had a few thoughts before that. And yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it helped, but I think, I think one of the things too, that if you, there's only so much you can do if you're not doing it. True. So yeah. I can't go talk to a sponsor about a project that's coming up in 2024. Right. And until you can have some tangible, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense to wait. I'm saying like you could do the logo, you could do a lot of things ready to go. You could set the business up quietly. You could do all that stuff. And I think it'd be great. One of the things, Andy, that I struggle with in all of our decisions and spending is you're marketing yourself as a, I know semi pro is not the right term, but that I think Americans understand what that Mm -hmm. means. You're marketing yourself as a semi pro, which is, is a premier type of program on the field and off and is it important that we play in a stadium with a scoreboard and with a a, uh, whatever 500 seat minimum capacity and you got to do the national anthem and da 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 are all those things important they are to the image but they are not to so much other but you're not just that's not just the image for the sponsors supporters it's also important for the players that it's a special experience for them right so, but, and all those things cost money. So now you just what you just said, yeah, we got fancy kits, but it cost us money. And in the end, it didn't help you at all. 
And I think that's something that we always, we go back and forth with at our club that yes, we want a, an extremely special experience, but if it's going to burden us to the point that we can't handle it anymore, we'll get rid of those things. And I think you uh, being the commissioner of the Midwest Premier League, you like that segue? Yeah, well, done. well done. Um, <laughs> we, we, it's something that we as a league are challenged with that if it's a burden on our clubs to require certain minimum standards, we have to have flexibility because we don't want anybody to fold. You know, right. we're only as strong as our weakest link. So that's, I think your experience with your club, you kind of provide that to us, uh, not just those specific experiences, but also that just kind of overall guidance for the clubs that don't quite have the history, don't quite have the experience. And hopefully we can, you know, keep everybody around for a long time. Right. And, and I think that whole piece on sustainability, you mentioned the teams being around, not the clubs, not folding. I think as a league, again, shifting our focus a bit from club to league, to me, knowing your members are, you can count on your, your membership clubs to be there three, five, six, seven, nine years. You can really plan for the longevity. You can plan for, you know, what, what pie in the sky and peace you want, have that long-term goal, but then build, build strategically to get there, uh, handling the short-term stuff and making sure, okay, here's, here's how we are. We, each club, man, you know, that you're responsible for your supporters. That's great. But we're going to do everything we can to, to brainstorm and provide some contacts or provide some insight or whatever we can do. Be a sounding board. Help you out. If we know somebody who can connect your hell, you know, here's some, we'll, we'll you know, buy, buy merch from you if, you if you're selling it. If it's not a value add for you, don't sell it. Like you don't need to do that. Um, you want to limit your expenses and exposure wherever you can financially. Um, but I, I think having that approach actually giving a crap about your member clubs changes everything. Well, that's the goal. Right. right. Certainly. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been good. And Andy, I told this, I told this story and you brought it up today. Our first, our first match against an opponent, our indoor friendly, when we, we got to meet you guys and you came up and um, we were kind of in the same spot. You know, that was, or you think you'd maybe played one or two other friendlies? Yeah, we had, we had done one um, friendly before, but it was, again, you know, we took up not the right 11. We didn't take the right 11 to play you guys either, uh, if I remember right. But, no, you took you took the perfect 11. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it was nice. You know, it was that was my first experience meeting another person in my same role in a different club. Yeah. And fortunately, you and I got along well. And we've continued to talk and share positive and negative stories. And I, and I think it was, it was really cool that as many teams and people I try to talk to as we were getting started to learn and, Hey, how are you guys handling this? How do you do this? How do you do this? Most of them, I go, Andy, did you talk to so-and-so? He's really great. He goes, yeah, yeah. I've talked to him like 30 times. Andy was so far ahead of me <laughs> in his research, but it made things, you know, it's really such a cool community of people and you're four hours from us. Yeah. And, and you, you relate exactly to what we're going through within the soccer club. So I think it's, I think the amateur game, as you mentioned, good, bad, or otherwise, there's a lot of cool relationships and friendships, you know, in, in our region, certainly that we've made where I, now I know people in Michigan that I obviously never knew. And, yeah. Same. Absolutely. Um, so, so I think it's great. So I'm, I'm glad I don't have any questions or anything. I'm glad uh, you were able to jump on Andy. I, I appreciate it. I think it's, I think it's great to hear, and if uh, certainly if you ever reboot, 
I bet I know before other people, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but <you> obviously, <laughs> obviously we uh, we you know would fully support whatever you go through down there, and I know you'd come back even stronger. Awesome, no, I appreciate that. And again, thanks for the uh, the opportunity to kind of to talk about it. it. Is it is definitely fun to nerd out uh, every once in a while on this lower tier <laughs> soccer stuff, and um, really, like, like John said, really happy with the 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 connections and the friendships made through that, through this process. I mean, it, it was it was excellent. Uh, I, I highly, if anyone's thinking they can, they can do it, I highly recommend it. Um, it's, it is a ton of fun and I, I definitely don't want us not to not be involved in something like this, whether it's in Indianapolis, DeKalb or I maybe mean, not Iowa, but you know what I mean? Andy, if people want to reach out to you, where can they get hold of you? Uh, best way to reach me. I mean, it's, it's through email. If they have a soccer question, want to fire away. Um, it's, it's Andy Hayes, one nine eight zero at gmail.com would be the best way to reach, reach out to me, uh, or, uh, connect through the, uh, Midwest premier league's website. Uh, as again, John mentioned commissioner of that league and, and really excited to see what 21 brings, uh, brings for that league and each club in it. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Get back to doing what you were doing. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. I can't hear you. Sure that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh. Yeah, we'll have ourselves a laugh.